Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Gospel Nate, uh, the podcast where we look at what God has called us to and how God expects us to live. Last week we went over James 4, 1 through 6. We looked at how our flesh wars against us. It wants bad things and fights to have them, and we saw that we do not have the power in and of ourselves to obtain the things we want. We also looked at how promoting the flesh is joining the world system. Using the world system for gain or anything of that nature will inevitably bring death. We also saw the Holy Spirit is jealous for us. He very earnestly desires to have us in all that we are. And we saw that God's resistance against the proud is not about anger and judgment, but rather he's trying to keep people from destroying themselves in seeking after their lusts and getting the things they want, or at least the things they think they want that will, in theory, benefit them. So we saw how a humble person will submit to Jesus and how a proud person will not. A humble person knows they cannot do everything on their own power. A proud person believes everything is due by their own power and ability. Everything relies on them. Which segues very nicely into our episode today. But first, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we have with you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Once again, we thank you that you have given us revelation to see what you want for us, to see the things that you want us to stay away from because it will ultimately kill us. Lord, we thank you that you have things that are better for us than we could ever hope to have for ourselves. And we give you the praise in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's episode promises to be a little shorter than usual. Um, we kind of dug into the scriptures here and the Lord shut it down a little early. Uh, not a terrible thing, in all honesty, because next week promises to be just as interesting, if not more so. So let's get into this. James 4, verse 7, out of the New King James Version. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We have all heard this verse before, but here is some food for thought. That Greek word submit is the Greek word hupotasso. It comes from two Greek words, hupo meaning under, and tasso meaning to put in order or place in a certain order. Hupotasso, or submission, is orderly structure under someone or something. In this case, it's under the orderly direction of God. Our God is a God of order and peace, not chaos. He created the universe with order. Sin and death is what brought chaos. So there's no way to get away from this submission thing. Now the second part of this verse, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The way I have heard it taught my whole life is kind of silly. Resist the devil, boy, and he will have to flee. Now on the surface, this seems pretty straightforward. You know, it sounds like what it says. When the devil comes to tempt you, you just need to resist him with all your strength and he will flee from you. Well, for starters, 95% of Christians will never encounter temptation from the devil. You aren't important enough to him. More than half of the body of Christ, especially here in America, isn't walking the kind of walk that Satan would take any note of anyways. He has bigger fish to fry, and it is seldom some demonic attack or hindrance either. Again, they have bigger fish to fry. Nine out of ten times, the biggest issue you will encounter is your own flesh. Nothing more, nothing less. Because we are our own enemies. And for most of us, that's enough to trip us up almost every single time. So why would James include this in here? Surely, he knew that Satan wasn't out there trying to personally trip up every single Christian. 
Surely, right? I believe he was pointing out a world system run by Satan. Also, if you listen to the tone of his book so far, he knew someone was going to say, yeah, but the devil made me do it. He caused me to stumble. So he came back with, then just resist him. But he prefaced it with submission to God. Think about this. If you are submitted to a good and orderly God, how hard is it to resist bad things? You have already submitted yourself to good things. You will not be so easily swayed to bad things. To be clear, the submission is a continual thing. It is not a thing where you submit once a month and you're good to go. Jesus laid it out best. In Luke 9, verse 23 from the New King James Version, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Denying himself is denying the flesh. Last episode, we talked about how the flesh wars against us. It will fight for what it wants, deny its desires. Then there is the take up his cross part. I have heard this taught that this is a burden that someone must bear. It could have very easily been a reference to the yoke that Jesus carried or would soon carry. Israel was well acquainted with the practice of Roman crucifixion, the painful and barbaric execution of criminals by public humiliation and slow death. This is fitting when we consider that we are putting our flesh to death in this case. It is a slow death known as sanctification, the process by which your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions begin to reflect the personality and character of Jesus. This happens through submission to his will. I left out a word in this part of the verse, the word daily. It is actually a phrase made up of two words, Himera, this means the entire span of time between dawn and the end of dusk or nighttime. The second is a Greek word, kata. It means down to a fine point or throughout. What Jesus was not saying was take up your cross once a day and follow me. What Jesus was saying is take up your cross every day and carry it with you throughout the entire day until the very end of the day when you go to sleep. Submission to his authority and yoke or his way of doing things is an all-day, everyday process. Speaking from experience, not doing it all day is what slows us down. It is real work to submit. The nice thing is, is that we're given steps. He said to follow me. That's how he concludes that verse. Follow is a Greek word, akalutheo, to follow someone who proceeds before you meaning Jesus has already done it and laid out an example of how to do it. To paraphrase James, but someone will say, but Jesus didn't have to deal with modern society and all of its pressures. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that the only difference is technology? Morality today is on par almost, it's almost on par with the Roman society back then. We still have a ways to go, but we are on track for that in this country. So the verse still applies. It is going to take relationship to get this. You are going to have to spend time in his presence. You will need to start hearing from him. You will need to be obedient to what you hear. You will need to be in his word on a regular basis, daily. 
And I'm not talking about being in his word daily as a religious thing, but being in his word daily to learn what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Read the scriptures, ask Jesus questions, listen for the answers, and be obedient to what he's saying. The passage goes on to say in Luke 9 verse 24, For whoever desires to save his soul will lose it, but whoever loses his soul for my sake will save it. Now, your Bible will likely read life rather than soul. The Greek word here is suke. That is the word for your mind, will, and emotions. Pneuma is the Greek word for spirit and would imply your living life being lost. But this is suke. Whoever wants to save his mind, will, and emotions will lose it. In other words, if you are trying to save your selfish desires, you will lose everything. It goes on to say, but whoever loses his mind, will, and emotions for my sake will save it. Lose it how and where. He is talking about sacrificing them to the Father and himself, laying down what you think for what he thinks, laying down what you feel for what he feels, and laying down what you want for what he wants. To quote Charles Stanley, watch this now, your soul is how you relate to the world around you. I've said it before, when you are saved, your spirit is completely saved. Your soul still needs the work. This is called sanctification. It happens slowly as you submit your soul to Jesus. It begins to change. You gain what it was supposed to be in the first place, a reflection of Jesus. We covered this a few episodes ago where when Jesus comes through, the real you starts to come through. All our bad responses to things come from the soul. Areas where we have wounds, areas where we have hardness of heart, areas that need healing regardless of what you want to call them, areas where we submit to our flesh and do things we shouldn't do. When we give in to the devil, in air quotes, because he tempted us, submit to God, resist the devil and yourself, and the devil will flee from you, and your selfish desires will, will yield. This only works if the submission part happens first. So the question is, how much humility does it take to submit to God? Well, how many times have you said it throughout the day, I've got this? How many times have you tried to solve life's problems on your own? How many times did you say, God helps those who helps themselves, a quote that I absolutely despise? How many times have you made all the choices without asking for any input? all the calls without asking for any input thought through things all on your own i would venture to say that most christians would fall into two categories those who say everything by my own strength and those who say i can't make a move without hearing from god the former live in near constant stress everything depends on them so if they fail god's not showing up to help them everything has to happen by their strength the latter live in crippling fear and almost never hear from God, or they deny it because they are afraid of what might happen if they listen and obey. Very few Christians actively listen and obey. I would dare say that even I am slow sometimes, and even that might be a little bit of an overestimation. I'm probably slower than I ought to be in most areas. So real humility submits to God and the process, and real humility makes you able to resist the devil or your flesh, or the world system. 
So short story time. Uh, the past day, I was driving somewhere. I stopped, got out of the car, did the thing I had to do, got back in the car, put the key in the ignition, turned the key, and nothing. The lights came on, the little ding-ding noise happened, the engine didn't even remotely turn over. Tried turning the key again, I tried turning the key again, and I tried turning the key again. And still the same thing. The little ding-ding noise, the lights came on, but nothing else happened. There's no kick, no turnover, no nothing happening with the engine. Pulled the key out, repeated the process, pulled the key out, repeated the process, and did this several times for about a minute and a half to two minutes. And finally, I had that unique moment of clarity where I just kind of sat there and thought to myself, okay, I'm stuck in a parking lot. I need to get back to work and my car won't start. How do I fix this? And it dawned on my lightning quick mind that I'm not a mechanic and I don't know how to fix the car. And based on what I'm witnessing, it appeared to be an issue with the starter, the ignition switch. And if that's the case, there's nothing I could do anyways as far as I knew. So I looked at the key and I looked, at, looked up at the ceiling of the car and I told the Lord, I don't know what to do. I can't fix this. I don't know how to get back to work. It was an interesting moment because the Lord smiled at me and said, turn the key over and start it again. So literally I turned the key over 180 degrees, placed it in the ignition, turned it and the car started without an issue. So as it turns out, the issue is not that my starter has an issue or the ignition switch has an issue. The issue is the key is worn out on one side. So the key only works in one position in my ignition switch. So this is an example of taking things and submitting them to God. It's a minor example. It's nothing crazy or mind blowing. It's not like it had dire consequences or impact on my life if I didn't respond correctly. But it is an example of being in a situation where you don't have the answers and rather than struggling to come up with them, you submit them to God and you get what he wants for you to do. And turns out the solution was pretty simple. But we are right back to relationship, relationship, relationship. You need to know who you are submitting to and you need to know what you are submitting to. And you need to have a right attitude about it. Submission with a bad attitude is really not going to gain you much, but it will show you where you have an area of your soul that needs work, which will only happen with submission. Have I beaten this horse enough? Are, are we getting the point here? The, the relationship and submission are inseparable and you have to do them on a regular basis. And that is where I'm going to leave this message for now. So we're going to start practicing submission this week. And it's not easy. I'm not going to lie. So when you're in the midst of something and you forget to submit or you forget to stop and ask Jesus, I don't want you to start coming down on yourself with like a ton of bricks and like, oh, I'm a bad Christian. Oh, I've done so horribly. Oh, I, I just can't do anything right. Why can't I get it together? Submission is work. And it requires you to be conscious of what you're doing. You actually have to think through the things that you are doing. So when you're in those situations, stop and think about it. Give yourself a moment of pause. 
This whole life that we live is not dependent on us alone and our performance. It is based on our relationship with Jesus, and the depth of that relationship will directly impact how our performance really is. So practice submission this week. Ask the Lord to show you when and how he wants things done. Ask him to show you areas of your heart that need to be worked on, then ask him how to do it, and then obey. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had with you. Lord, we thank you that despite our inability sometimes to really just stop and listen to you, that you're still there waiting for us regardless of our choices. And Lord, the moment we turn around and come back to you, you're standing there with open arms. So Father, for each one of the listeners that hear this message, I ask that you would give each of them wisdom that each of them would have understanding of what it is you want them to do, that each of them would understand and know your voice. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You are blessed. Go out there and submit to Jesus.